Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back to the Conservative Review podcast here at Conservative Review's Northern Command. This is episode 465. We have so much to talk about because there are so many fundamental issues going on where we need guidance. Look, we don't have Bill Buckley's. We don't have Phyllis Schlafly's. We don't have conservative leadership in this country. So we have a one-sided narrative. Whenever something goes on in this country, we don't have an effective, equal, and opposing force to what the political class is putting out. We simply do not. We don't have an equal and opposing force to even get on the radar and direct the narrative to other things that they don't want to talk about. Again, last episode, we talked a lot about the obfuscation, the power of the media to look at a sliver of an issue Ignore the broader issue, which if you would focus on it, it would completely countermand your solution because it would disprove your diagnosis of the problem, but they don't want to do that. We have very few leaders among us. Um, Republicans in Congress are a bunch of Teletubbies. I mean, that's that's just the reality, and uh, we all know that already. The Teletubbies have made their debut on this show, as you could see right here playing on in in the background we got our uh cute little teletubbies here and and that's what they are kind of like unicell organisms with no brains so balloons in the wind uh liberals get to direct them to where they want to go and we never discuss the real issues this episode i want to talk more about guns the the notion that somehow you could at least do something and prevent some of these mass murders with guns um, last time we talked about how we're misdiagnosing it, but maybe they'll say, all right, well, guns might, might not cause it, but if they couldn't get guns, well, you know, they wouldn't have access to such weaponry and they wouldn't be able to commit such atrocities. That is basically what they're going to do. They're also going to go after the first amendment. Let's start flagging people with red flag laws. What does that mean? With us today is one of the few leaders on this issue and really many other issues not like your average congressman. Congressman Thomas Massey from Kentucky's 4th Congressional District, uh, he doesn't live like the elites do. He actually lives on a hilltop in northern Kentucky. He had to travel a couple miles out in his car just to get cell service. So I apologize, we're not going to have video of the congressman up today. We'll have him on future episodes, but he will be with us through audio today. He is the chairman of the Second Amendment Caucus who actually has his own narrative. He's actually not scared to embrace what we believe in. And while the other side pounds the lectern um, confidently how we're to blame for death and murder, well, he'll pound the lectern confidently and say, no, it's your disarming of the people that is causing more bloodshed. So I figured who better to have on today than Congressman Massey. Hey, Thomas, how you doing? Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on, Daniel. Happy to be here. Some of my Republican and otherwise conservative colleagues are sort of cowering right now uh, in the in the wake of these terrible events. Uh, it's like they're ready to adopt policy or at least won't oppose policy that would do absolutely nothing. Nobody is thinking logically right now. And, and somebody does need to be out there presenting some facts, even if they're not convenient facts, even if they're not emotionally uh, palatable facts we need to talk about them sure and i want to i want to go through them one by one but yeah i mean as a baseline what what i can understand is how guns was the one issue that united every republican i mean they're all big spenders they're all for illegal immigration they're all for abortion funding even though they say they're not but guns every republican was kind of pro-gun the last number of decades but Part of that was that we understood that, dude, if you clamp down on guns, it's not just a constitutional issue. It just doesn't work. I mean, I think certain First Amendment things, if you did want to clamp down on things, it would work. I don't think we want to pay that cost, but it would work to prevent certain things. But gun control is the worst thing because you're, I mean, you're replicating my hometown. I mean, need I say more than Baltimore, where I can't carry a weapon anywhere. To own a gun, forget that background checks, you need a license that's a few-month process to just own, and yet there's more shootings than anywhere, except you can't defend yourself against it. We all understood this, but somehow now 
they're incapable of articulating it. Why? I don't know. And, and the facts are on our side. In 1991, in the United States, there were about 10 murders per 100,000 people per year. It's, half, it's less than half of that now. The, the murder rate has gone down by a factor of two in this country, and gun ownership has gone up. The percentage of people carrying concealed weapons has gone up astronomically compared to what it was in 1991. You practically had to be a deputy sheriff to carry a weapon in 1991. Now we've got dozens of states where you can carry with a permit, and we've got uh, at least 15 or 16 where you can carry even without a permit. And crime is going down in those states, not up. The facts are on our side here. And it's the one thing I would love to talk about if we could. I mean, there's so much to talk about here. But the fact that or the notion that you could ban a particular type of firearm, uh, i.e. as a semi-automatic weapon that, for instance, has a pistol grip, and that you would end these mass public shootings or even ameliorate these mass public shootings. Mm -hmm. It's just that that part, that that um, falsehood is so easily disproven. Just if you start thinking through the facts. Uh, so so let's go. Let's go through them one by one. Yeah. They, they're going to say, yeah. look, all right, I understand what you're saying on general violence is more handguns. But these mass shootings where you have so many people killed, you know, 15, 20, 25 in one shot. Look at all of them. They have the AR-15s. Why don't we just get rid of AR-15s? Well, here's the facts. 50% of mass public shootings only involve a handgun, and 80%, over 80% of mass public shootings have a handgun in addition to, let's say, a rifle. And the reality is a rifle, the reason you would choose a rifle over a smaller weapon uh, and why would you carry the heavier ammunition around when it means carrying fewer rounds if you're going to carry rifle ammunition as opposed to pistol ammunition? The the reason to do it is if you're going to engage a target at 50 yards or 100 yards or 200 yards. That's the purpose of a rifle. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, if these perpetrators in the last two shootings had been carrying a pistol, the results would have been no different. They, they may have been more lethal in the, in the terms of it would have been harder to identify the shooter if he's got a pistol that he can hide under his coat or his jacket or under his shirt. Uh, he, could, he could have gotten closer to his victims before he had to start shooting in both of the cases because it would have been concealed. Uh, there's so many reasons that it doesn't the, – the fact that they used a so-called assault rifle uh, – didn't increase the number of casualties. If you had a if you had a pistol, if either of those perpetrators had been carrying a pistol, and by the way, fifty percent of mass public shootings are committed with just a pistol, uh, they they would have inflicted just as many injuries. So the notion that you could just ban uh, semi-automatic so-called assault weapons or semi-automatic rifles altogether is and stop these shootings. Is completely 100% false. So you, you mentioned, obviously, that a lot of them do have handguns. And certainly, again, the non-mass shootings are all handguns. I mean, about seven, 8,000 a year um, are seven, 8,000 fatalities a year are handguns. Rifles are only about a few hundred less than killing with fists and one-fourth the amount uh, killed through knives, um, also less than clubs or blunt objects as well and and that's never talked about now the next thing they'll say all right but we don't want bad guys don't, don't we all agree that bad guys shouldn't get them mentally ill shouldn't get them what is it that you expect them to try to push in congress in september heck if they don't come back in august you know they're not going to come back in august to deal with the border but i, I wonder if they'll come back to deal with this because democrats of course control the agenda they come back what do you think they're going to pass with can you explain what expanded background checks means and what that would do? Uh, well, right. The, the terminology here is important because uh, there are different things they could do to, quote, uh, make background checks stronger. In fact, they did this a year or two ago. We spoke about it on yep. our podcast, right? They 
they uh, postulated that really all we had to do was to fix these loopholes in the background checks and that everything would be fine. That if we put more pressure on the states and the courts to submit more names into the NICS database, that we could stop these mass public shootings. The law passed. The law was signed by the president. The law is in effect, and it didn't do a daggone thing. It was called Fix NICS. And it didn't, oh, it didn't do anything to st- stop these. Okay. So that was one proposal that, oh, we just don't have enough names in the database. When the reality is most of the denials are false positives. And when you add more names, you get more false positives. Okay. But what are they proposing now? They're proposing things that would have no effect on the last two shootings. Okay. First of all, um, in at least one of the last two shootings, the perpetrator went through a background check and passed it. Nobody's saying the background check uh, failed or didn't yep. work. But what it did is it it failed to stop somebody who was going to commit a crime from getting a gun, which they always do. You can't stop somebody from getting one because in these last yep. two cases, you had you had perpetrators who hadn't didn't have a rap sheet. Yeah, they're first that first timers. That's right. That would have prevented them from buying a gun. So. One of the things they're going to propose is the so-called gun show loophole, okay, Uh, that they want to ban private transfers of firearms. They don't want uh, me to be able to sell my neighbor a gun. They want it only to happen through a gun dealer. And the problem with that notion is that's not how these firearms were acquired uh, in, in the last two shootings. So to come back, to call us back to Congress to enact these, this type of legislation is unserious. It's an insult to the victims. It's unserious. When people do this and they know it would have had no effect on, on the outcome of these last two shootings, but they use the last two shootings to do it, it's, it's ingenuous and, and unserious. You know, you know, Thomas, it's funny you mentioned that because I think that's the hallmark of all liberalism. I call it the divide and conquer or slash and burn. They do this on healthcare or many market distortions. They'll go and distort a market, create a reality, and then they keep coming back and say, hey, this is outrageous. And then they, they, they forget the fact that they already implemented their stuff, but they every right. everything starts over with a new slate. It's like, it's a reset to zero as if nothing happened before. And that's the thing. They keep passing these various fixed nicks. We had um, one after the Virginia Tech shooting. We had one two years ago. And, you know, and, and we know the next things aren't going to prevent it either. Because, again, you know, heck, we're not locking up. There's a hell of a lot of people in this country that have like 15 arrests and they're not tagged with felonies. Um, because yeah. in my view, we're being too weak on crime. Like that guy that dumped the water on that NYPD guy that everyone saw in the video, he had 20 arrests and robbery and assault. I mean, he was serving no time, that guy. So, you know, they're not going to focus on that. So certainly with the one first timers, and again, um, this does defy criminology. The, the These mass <laughs> murderers, the guys that have this profile of depressed or psychotic and whatever, they often don't have a criminal record. And they just commit full scale murder, which is an exception to the rule of a career criminal. So you're not going to get that there. Um, So then the next thing goes to, okay, First Amendment. They're going to say, well, Daniel, okay, we're not going to clamp down the Second Amendment. But don't you want to make sure you you, you yourself are saying this is more of a mental illness, cultural problem than a gun problem. So don't we want to flag these people first to ensure, you know, they're dealt with and certainly don't get guns. Um, so what does a red flag law look like that the president kind of mentioned and, and what are the problems yeah. with it? Yeah. So just to close out the background check, you, you mentioned one that I've forgotten about after Virginia tech, it was called the NICS improvement amendments act. Okay. And they passed that and it became law. And then the one that happened a, uh, a year or so ago after the Texas shooting was the, uh, fix NICS act. And now they're talking about the universal background check, which wouldn't affect any of those shootings. Now, they have moved on, as you said, and this is probably is the more serious, uh, not serious in terms of solving any problem, but the more serious in terms of risk to our Second Amendment rights uh, and 
due process is the extreme risk protection orders that they propose, otherwise known as the red flag laws. First of all, there are over a dozen states that have these now. And if I could just take a time out from the pragmatic argument against these and the constitutional argument against these and just mention that murder is a state crime. It's not a crime in the Constitution. Like the founding fathers never envisioned that the federal government would deal with murder cases. Yeah, Murder, family law, those are all state law issues. And the, and the enforcement of it is as well. The same with uh, uh, mental health. Okay. That's where is the federal nexus for that? These are all family law, uh, murder. These are all abuse. These are all federal laws. These shouldn't even be discussed in the context of the federal government. In fact, uh, Lindsey Graham and was it Blumenthal, the two who proposed the red, you know, just today they proposed that. When they come back, they're going to uh, they're going to implement something with the, with respect to these red flag laws. But if you read the fine print, they're giving grants to the state. They're trying to pressure the states to do it. They're trying to induce the states to do it because at least they acknowledge there's no federal uh, constitutional nexus here yep. to allow the federal to allow Congress to do it. So they're going to try and use the money to do it. But here's the I mean, here's the problem with it. You're trying to anticipate somebody who's going to commit a crime before they commit a crime. My friend uh, John Lott has had some good suggestions about the way this legislation, the amendments, if they try to do it at the federal level, the amendments that we should offer. We should, in the law, in the red flag laws, it should, we should try to get them to say, what are the criteria that would get you flagged? Because they don't want to do that in the red flag laws. Like, let's say a prior arrest that didn't result in a conviction. Okay, what if you wrote a red flag law that said, we can use that as a, as a criteria for coming to take your gun if you've ever been arrested before, even though it didn't result in a conviction. The courts would throw that red flag law out if you got specific and said that was a reason. Because constitutionally, if somebody's not been found guilty of a crime, if it's been adjudicated, you can't use oh that my to gosh. deprive them. Oh my gosh, Thomas, you 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 just really hit a sore point with me. I, I want to elucidate what you're saying by adding something else in for our audience here. Yeah, juxtapose the right to bear arms shall not be infringed to the right to immigrate shall not be infringed. Well, it doesn't kind of doesn't say that, but in invisible ink in in the in the elite constitution, it says that. So right. so yeah. like they're always telling me, Daniel, what the heck? You know, you want to throw these people out of the country simply for being arrested for DUI. I'm like, well, they're illegal. They don't have the right to be here. You're right. They haven't been convicted, so it's not beyond the shadow of a doubt. But most most who are arrested usually are a problem. So even if you weren't arrested, I can get you out. So we're going to get you out. You don't have a constitutional right. Yet when it comes to something that is a constitutional, constitutional right, the right to bear arms. So then, yes, you do need to be convicted. I mean, it's like upside down, inside out. Right. And, and the other criteria, which they won't say, which they would use, because the red flag laws are basically, well, how do you think? How do you feel? Do you think he's a threat? I don't know. Uh, they would use factors such as age, race, sex. I mean, you know they're going to use all those factors. And and so, um, you know, that's the, that's the constitutional sort of firewall here. Yeah. But they're doing it. They're doing it at the state level. Uh, the, the federal government, when we get back in Congress, some of my colleagues, some of them Republican, have already proposed that we induce the states to do more of this. And let's just go back. Let's test it just for the sake of the victims, okay, in El Paso and the sake of the victims in Dayton. Would this have stopped either of those shootings? Because they're using the victims' lives as the reason to pass this. And the reality is it wouldn't have stopped either shooting. No, it would not have stopped. it. It's an unserious proposal. And, and I think those two are really very reflective of the unfortunate trend we're in. They were very heavy on social media. They were very into, you know, absorbing themselves with stuff that's going on. You know, the um, other one, the one in Dayton was pro Antifa type. 
This one was more of a white supremacist type. And it's not, that's the thing. It wasn't even like the Nicholas Cruz type of thing in, in um, you know, Parkland, where it was more just an open, right. very violent, right. lots of stuff going on there. I think these are, the, unfortunately, the more common ones. And especially with the copycat mentality, the social media problem that we have, which really is nobody's fault. It's, it's technology, and it's a challenge we have for our time. We spoke about this on, on you know the previous show. So I think that's what we're overlooking. But I do want to get to a point, Thomas, um, to, to make things clear for people. You know, we often say that, look, you know, things that are around, you know, you can't ban an item that's around. It's just going to make it that law abiding citizens don't have it, but the other guys will have it. So, you know, it's worse than ever. It's counterintuitive. What would you say to people who say, well, look, you know, we did ban machine guns and you see it's worked. We don't really have um, people committing atrocities with machine guns, even though the left tries to. (laughs) blur the line between semi-autos and fully autos but we don't have fully auto attacks so why can't we do the same thing with semis i want to see how you answer that well well if you here's here's the fact if you banned uh let's say ar-15 and you confiscated let's say you confiscated every single ar-15 in existence and burnt all of the blueprints for an ar-15 and and you know had spyware on everybody's computer to make sure they did could never make another AR15 there would not be a mass public shooting with an AR15 i'm going to i'm going to tell you that right now it would be with another gun like if you go in and specifically like in the case of of banning uh machine guns which are defined as a a rifle or any kind of gun that fires more than one bullet with a single pull of the trigger of course you're not going to have shootings with those. You're going to have shootings with a different type of weapon. And the, and the reality is, frankly, the, in, in a uh, situation where you're carrying the ammunition, you're probably going to be more deadly with a semi-automatic weapon than you are a fully automatic. I mean, the military went to three-round burst for that mm-hmm. reason uh, because you just waste ammo. So, uh, yeah. Pick a gun if you can erase its existence on the face of the planet. Okay, it won't be used in mass public shootings. I got to tell you, it won't. And then, but a different type of gun will. And then eventually, it'll be a car or dynamite or a bomb. By the way, so just back uh, before we leave the red flag law. Sure. Okay, because I, I think there's something that's gone unmentioned and needs to be mentioned. Almost every state in the union, every state that I know of allow somebody to be committed involuntarily for three days to a, a mental facility against their will. But there has to be, in those cases, like a, a doctor's opinion, there has mm-hmm. to be some opinion. And then within three days, it's it's got to be adjudicated. But those are in Florida, which could have been used in Florida. There was a law already on the books called the Baker Act. It's got a different name in every state. But if there was a way already that's been held up to be constitutional to to to, um, to restrain the perpetrator. And by the way, this is one of the defects with red flag laws. Okay, with the Baker Act in Florida, where if somebody is mentally unstable and they're about, and they could harm themselves or somebody else, you can go get them, put them in a hospital, put them in a mental facility for three days. You know, uh, keep an eye on them, make sure they don't hurt anybody or hurt anybody else. With a red flag law, you don't do that. You don't try to help the person who's mentally unstable. You just go agitate them by taking some of their firearms. Okay, there's no way to guarantee you have deprived them of access to a firearm if they're still a free individual. You haven't done anything to help their mental state of mind. If anything, you've aggravated it. And so, it's the it's kind of the opposite. The red flag laws. I uh, there's a, a sheriff in Colorado that refuses to enforce red flag laws because not just because he thinks it's unconstitutional, but because he thinks it's going to make the situation worse. Because you're not doing anything with the individual who still poses a risk to himself and others because he's still free and hasn't received treatment. The red flag laws don't propose any treatment. <laughs> It's like I forgot who said that. Who was the first to say this? But when someone points to the moon, the idiot focuses on the finger. 
So it, it's always the, yeah. the the object and not the person. I mean, they're, they're always doing that. It's 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 the same thing with uh, whether it's our immigration policies, counterterrorism. Um, we never focus on the person for politically correct reasons. We focus on the object. And, and you're absolutely right. And we're seeing this more than ever, especially with Islamic terror. But there's no reason why others can't replicate this. The vehicular homicides um, are becoming big. Um, obviously, bombs. I mean, look, you know, the biggest of all is Timothy McVeigh. And that's not even a big deal to make that. Um, this is their weapon of choice now. And, and I, I believe a lot of it just, again, is with the copycat mentality. A lot of things, they're developing the pattern. But you're right. They'll go to whatever else is in vogue. And they could easily accomplish the same thing. It is there is a copycat mentality. If you if you had a chance to read the manifesto in uh, El Paso, yeah, could you talk um, about that a little he, bit? The manifesto. Yeah, it's only four pages, and he admits he's basically he admired uh, the shooting in the New Zealand shooter, like, and he had read that shooter's manifesto. He kind of apologized that his wasn't as elaborate. Uh, of a manifesto, but he said, basically, I just uh, incorporate everything he said. By the way, they're both environmentalists. They both, part of the reason for killing people was they felt like we had too many people consuming resources and uh, anti-corporatists. But he, not only was he uh, a copycatter, and by the way, just to derail for just a second, just to go on a sidetrack sure. here <laughs> for a, a second, I mean, whether it's a mass shooting, a mass public shooting, or somebody taking a car and mowing down uh, citizens, innocent civilians, somehow there always ends up a clip of that on the internet of innocent victims dying. And yes. But rarely do you see the perpetrator, who almost always ends up dead in these situations, like two-thirds of the time, they end up dead, not captured. You don't see them lying. You know, their Damn miserable yes. end of their life, lying in a pool of blood or whatever freaking miserable end they came to. You never see that. Th 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 this is what bothers me. So you, you I, I want to place a bookmarker there. I want to go back to that point um, about the manifesto and copycat and the culture. I want to return to that. But but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, again, I am very much of the opinion that there's a lot we could solve with public safety threats, deterrence. But at the same time, I think these people are the this is the most confounding problem. It's very hard. First timers yeah. come out. But I think the one thing we I, I don't think you could stop it. But I think there is a deterrent power to me. I call it the no guts, no glory approach. And if you had a mixture of two things, number one, if everyone carried, if everyone carried, I mean, like in Israel, it's either a civilian or it's some sort of security guard, military guy. There's shootings there. There's a lot of reasons people would want to shoot the Israelis. There's a lot of Arabs that hate them. But at the same time, I rarely see more than one or two people killed. Rarely see more than one mm -hmm. or two. The guy is gunned down before that. That's number one. So there's not a lot of glory. But then also, look, I'm a big constitutionalist. But at the end of the day, we can't be bigger constitutionalists than our founders was were. And if you look at founding practice, in the 1790s, the courts are inventing a lot of due process, and there's certain due processes that's, that's baseline is very important. But beyond that, why is it, you know, we have this debate over the death penalty in the country, and everyone's like, it doesn't work, because we essentially don't have it. There's been 700, what, what is this here? There's been 783,453 homicides through 2018 since 1976. But there's only been 1,500 capital punishments. And out of the 1,500, it takes used to take 15, 20. Now it's up to 30 years. I mean, I see these guys, the cases you see now, they're from the 80s. What if, I mean, what is it so hard, something that's beyond the shadow of a doubt? We got this guy in video. Why can't this guy get roasted in a few weeks or at least a few months and come back to me then if you know, there wouldn't be at least somewhat of a deterrent. I don't want to exaggerate and, and say like the left does that they're going to solve it. I'm not saying I'm going to solve it. And some of them are suicidal. But this guy freaking Thomas, I mean, he wore ear protection. Um, One thing I noticed with the white supremacists in particular, more than let's say the Islamists, they, they, don't, they don't really have a culture of suicide. Most of them. The Pittsburgh one was caught alive. The Overland Park Jewish Community Center in Kansas a couple years back 
he was caught alive. Dylan Roof in South Carolina was caught alive. Um, this guy, for sure, he said he he expected to die, but you know what? He came in there with, with ear protection. Um, you know what I mean? Like, if, if yeah. no guts, because no glory. They, Is that what you're saying? Well, uh, I think it's the fact that about two-thirds of them end up dying, it, but a third of them, even though they go in with the intention of dying, they're such cowards. They can't finish it that way. They yeah. can't take their own life. So a third of them, even though they intended to be shot or commit suicide, don't go through with it. So for them, it could be for the for those, it could, in fact, be a deterrent. And as you said, if it's 30 years out, then it's probably not a deterrent. <laughs> so it could be a deterrent, but not in all cases. It's sort of sure. like there could be something, but it's not going to stop mass public shootings uh, because these folks are after something else. They're. Frankly, it's basically an elaborate suicide in most of the cases. Like, we should treat it in the same way that we're trying to prevent suicides. They've decided they're going to go, if they're going to go out, they're going to take somebody out with them and they want some fame. Look, these mass public shooters, the two of them have the president talking about them today. Okay. Yep. Now, not by name, thankfully, but the media talks about them by name. If you could deprive them of oh the fame. Gosh that they expect. And instead they got shame. And that's what I'm saying. Like yes. the picture in the two thirds of the cases where they die and they're shot. I think you need to share the image of their miserable last seconds of life where they're crying or, or, you know, you know, whatever yeah. it is that's happening. They defecated themselves Th laying there in that, their own yes. blood. Yes. No, I'm saying, I'm that telling is, you, that's why I think there's more of it because it's all some form of mental illness instability with all, all these people. But the reason why you have more is if you go down the list of those in the 40s, 50s, 60s, um, a little after, they were more targeted. It was more like I said, the story with all of them, if you look on the top 25 list at Wikipedia, um, they, they were disgruntled at a workplace, at a school, or in their family. Um, so that, again, that's going to be a lot harder. That's more of a private thing. If they're disgruntled, whatever triggers them, maybe they'll do it anyway. But these general ones that we're seeing now, which is why there's more of them, the manifesto and the social media, it's clear it's to get attention. Um, and, you know, again, I don't know what the public policy solution to stopping that, but I think it's easy to diagnose that if we theoretically, you know, now I'm not going to be like the left and say, we're, let's censor the media, but I think it's pretty clear if you didn't have that, there would be much fewer of these. We just saw over the weekend there were copycats. Yeah. Well, and, and there are there are trends, there are things you can notice about them. I mean, in the El Paso shooters manifesto, he mentioned Call of Duty. Okay, I'm not saying Call of Duty made him do that, but it's part of the culture that he was immersed in. If he if he mentioned it in his manifesto, by the way, he mentioned it in the context of uh, advising people to go after soft targets. He said there's no reason to die for, for you know, uh, without shooting somebody. So don't engage somebody that has body armor. This These are his words. I'm paraphrasing his manifesto. Yep. Don't feel like you have to go out like in Call of Duty. He said you should engage people who aren't protected. So which gets us to another point. One of these shootings defied a trend. And so a lot of people are jumping on it and saying, see, concealed carry doesn't work. And the trend that that. I'm talking about sure. is that over 95% of mass public shootings happen in a place where normal civilians were not allowed to carry firearms. Like now, a in the case of right in the case of uh, Dayton, those bars you can't carry firearms into those bars. Those are so-called gun-free zones. Okay, so that that data point fit the the person who perpetrated that crime could be fairly reasonably assured that there were. Uh, civilians there who could stop him if he got into the establishment he was trying to get into. Fortunately, a good guy with a gun did stop him. It was the police. But the one that defies the 90 or 95 percent number is the one in El Paso. Because in Texas, I think it's a, a little over 8 percent of civilians in Texas have a concealed carry permit. Yeah. And it, and there were hundreds of people in that Walmart. Statistically, you would think 
that there would have been somebody in there carrying a, a concealed weapon that could have engaged this shooter. It seems right now, it seems as if there was not. I was very surprised uh, about that. Yeah. But as I thought about this, I saw in the news that uh, six or seven of these victims were Mexican nationals. Okay. And I, and I haven't seen in the news if any of them were, uh, I mean, his, if any of them were illegal uh, immigrants. Okay. But, but, but either but way, six, what, but, but in the Walmart in either, particular, what you're going to have is they don't have Walmarts in Mexico. So you have not necessarily, not illegal aliens, but just like people that come on the day passes. They, they, yeah, shoppers. they have a border pass and they come over and shop for a day. Um, it's not a visa. They're allowed to stay for a limited amount of time. Um, so obviously they're not going to so have here, guns. Right. So, yeah. So this is my point. They were, they were day shoppers. They were coming from Mexico. He knew that. That's why he targeted, I believe, this facility. But I think he also knew you can't carry a gun with you if you're coming from Mexico across the border. That's a, that's a quick way to get arrested. I mean, there are a lot of, we're, we allow a lot of people to carry concealed, but we don't let people come, you know, through a border cross point uh, to go shopping with a firearm. Sure. And, and I think he probably knew that. He knew that this was probably a place where they, they weren't inclined to be carrying. And, and I'm not was, sure culturally with El Paso. I mean, I don't know. The, the data might be out there, but Texas is a massive state. It's not uniform. So, you know, he lived right. more in northern Texas. I would imagine there, you know, it would have been more likely. Now, it's it's confusing because he did target it, obviously, because, you know, it was the immigration. It was, um, you know, there's Hispanic. And that's clearly why he went there. But you're saying there was also another element that, you know, they wouldn't be as armed as they would be in, in northern Texas. Correct. I think or or even if he didn't contemplate that, uh, that could be a reason why. You didn't Results. see as many people carrying that. Yeah. yeah. Which it is surprising to me, I'm going to admit. Um, it doesn't fit the other shootings. Okay. But just because you get one data point, it's that's in the 5%, not the 95%, doesn't mean that the other 95% aren't accurate. So, so basically, so, is your point, you're saying that, look, you can't stop something like this unless you want to turn America into North Korea, which nobody does. So, correct. So the best way is the other way to ensure. So first of all, constitutional carry. Now, this I never understood. If you want to say I'm going to melt down every gun and go house to house and take away every gun, I could at least understand intellectually what you're trying to do, how how in your Correct. mind you're solving that. But none of them are openly saying Correct. that. They're like these little parsimonious things. Well, uh, some background chicks here, some red flag here, this type of gun or magazine here. And it's like it's nonsense. I mean, you're not you're not dealing with it. Um, but, but the dumbest thing in the world is once you admit you're not getting rid of most of the guns, which, which they're not. So you're getting everyone, you could get a gun to then the second level, you can't carry it. That's the dumbest thing in the world because that's where I live. That's what Baltimore, Maryland's right. all about. So like right. I, I said, the story, Thomas, last week on my show, when Baltimore was being talked about, and I said, how things got really bad here a couple of years ago after Freddie Gray, but then a little bit afterwards too. And people were scared and I'm in a suburban area, but it's not too far from the city. People were scared to throw out their garbage at night in front of their own homes. Now you could carry, I guess on your lawn and I do sometimes, but I had to go out briefly to a service at night and I really was contemplating to carry anyway. Now, ultimately I didn't do it. Because that's mm -hmm. who we are. Even though I know it's unconstitutional, I know it's egregiously unconstitutional. The law says the opposite, but it's state law. It shouldn't be. I didn't do it. Anyone in their mind, I want to commit a mass murder. Now, we admit they're going to get some sort of gun no matter what. Oh, man, but how do I get it from point eight? How do I get it out of my house? I'm not allowed to carry. That is directly passing a law like saying everyone except for evil people can't carry. I, I don't even intellectually understand it. And then you, you're going to have second order effects. Like uh, most of the Daniel Horowitzes will move out of Maryland to Virginia or somewhere <laughs> where they can uh, exercise their Second Amendment rights. And so it gets the situation gets worse. The city devolves. So not only do you have the first order effect that you can't protect yourself, you've got the second order effect that you're going to 
people like you are going to start leaving the people who would take their own safety into their own hands and the safety of their neighbors. And it just keeps getting worse. But you're right. If you're going to let people have guns, it's ridiculous to say you're not going to let them carry because then every criminal has access and can can and will carry. And so you should let the law abiding individuals do it. Sure. And that's, I mean, that is, Again, every one of these, uh, well, let's just take the last two examples. They were stopped by somebody with a gun. It's the only way you're going to stop one of these people. Unless they, they, get, uh, they get jittery and they think somebody with a gun is coming and they may shoot themselves. But other than the, the situation where they think there's a, somebody with a gun and there's not, there's no way to stop these people without a gun. No, exactly. I mean, you I mean, may have you may have a few where they're where they're tackled, okay, while they're uh, distracted or something. That is that's again rarely the case. It's almost always somebody with a gun, and uh, you know, in the case of of uh, of Dayton, they were fortunate that there were police right there. I mean, they did respond quickly. One, I mean, that was the heck of a shootout. I heard the audio of a tape. And there were lots of rounds going back and forth, uh, creating another situation that could have resulted in injuries. Now, so so what do you what do you think about Dayton? I'm I'm just curious because that's also unique in one respect that they really were there right away. It was almost as if someone had a concealed carry. It wasn't a civilian, but they were there within 30 seconds, and yet the guy still got off that many shots. What he killed about nine, I think. Um, so that's a lot. Nine, nine, nine died. By the way, thank God law enforcement was there and willing to risk their lives. But by the way, we don't know if anybody, if any of those casualties yet would take autopsies. We're a result of police bullets. Oh, that's interesting. Or, or ricochets. In the video I heard, there was a ricochet that went by the, the, the filmer, the person with the iPhone or, or smartphone that was filming. You could hear a ricochet go right by him. And so when you've got that many rounds going out, now the fact that the police were probably using uh, handguns and the and the criminal was using a rifle, you know, the, the police have mitigated the likelihood of uh, somebody being hit by a ricochet or going through a wall because they stop at a, a wall. But yeah. um, there's still the chance that that happened. And that's the thing. We don't have all the facts yet. People like... <laughs> are already legislating and they're proposing legislation that they they know won't work. Okay. They know background checks would not have stopped either of these shooters, but that's their proposal. Oh. It's unserious. Okay. But even, even now we don't have the facts. So for instance, in Dayton, right, there were three people in the car that went to, went to this uh, section of town. There was the shooter. There was his uh, sister who died, so we're not going to get any information from her. And then there was the sister's friend who's still alive but injured. What can we find out from that person? We There's so much we don't know yet, and people are already demanding legislation. People are already uh, proposing legislation, and there's still people to talk to. There's still autopsies to do. There's still facts to get that we don't have. So you just got me into one of, and I know we're running out of time here, but one of the most important issues, if you're going to legislate based off of mass shootings and then make everything about safety and security, all mass shootings, which as you said, even though they've increased, is still a slice of, of the homicides in this country, but you're going to make it all about that. Don't we freaking want to know what happened in the biggest one of all Las Vegas, 2017, 59 killed. That thing is out of control. There is, it doesn't fit the description of anything. The guy was middle-aged. He wasn't young. He was wealthy. The, it almost looked like a terror attack, some crazy other motive. It wasn't like some psychotic guy, hey, I need to whatever. I mean, the planning, the stuff, were there other people with him? Um, we know nothing about Paddock. We know not, I mean, and, and they started to put out information, foreign stuff. And like the first 24 hours and then it stopped and the FBI then said a year later, we're never going to know done. You guys, could you tell this audience 
You guys in Congress were never even briefed on that. Never briefed. We got a briefing on the Pulse nightclub shooting. We got a, a briefing on the uh, shooting in California. That was, uh, I, I think that was, was that a jihadist? Or yeah, San Bernardino. Yeah, San Bernardino. We got a briefing on the shooting at the school in Florida. We've never, and by briefing, I mean, like we go into a room and get confidential or even classified information. Okay. And we've never received one on the Las Vegas. Thomas, isn't it, it's inconceivable. They don't know more. It just doesn't make sense. There, what, yeah, what is the, I mean, what's the guy's motive? What is his motive? I'm just like. You know, he was just uh, very disgruntled with society and he decided like, no, that doesn't fit that. That's the problem. No, it doesn't. It doesn't fit that because it was, he had, he engaged in a lot of elaborate planning, obviously, right? It's more planning than most. It's like a James Bond movie. It's like an ex, you know, special ops guy or something. I mean, I'm not saying he was, but that's what it appears. Right. So he's engaged in a lot of planning. And you're going to tell me he's not going to leave a note. He's not going to leave one of these manifestos. He's not going to explain why he did it or what his motives were. Or, I mean, he's just going to shoot people and plan to die. Like, was he disgruntled at what was he? I mean, there's no indication there. And that is, that's frustrating. I mean, the result was we banned, we didn't ban. It should have been a congressional action. Or, yep. I mean, even that wouldn't have been constitutional, but what the president did was very unconstitutional. Oh yeah. And by the way, Thomas, this is the one time the courts didn't get involved. The one time he does something that actually is unconstitutional. I mean, it's ex post facto. It's the takings clause. It's Second Amendment. It's beyond the you know machine gun statute. I forget. You, you probably know the name of the statute. Right. Um, uh, you know, and then the some little like Act. yeah, 1934. NFA yeah, yeah, Act. yes, yes. But, but look. Here's the other thing about Las Vegas. So uh, at the time, Bob Goodlap from Virginia was the chairman of judiciary. We were we were in the majority. Remember? Oh, yeah. And so they were having the, the ATF to come over to Congress and demonstrate the bump stock. And they were they were sort of the dirty little secret here is most of the weak need Republicans wanted the president to ban bump stocks. So they didn't have to vote on it. OK, because <laughs> they knew it could cost them a primary. But in the meantime, they did do a little research. The ATF came in and talked to uh, the judiciary, some of the judiciary members, about uh, bump stocks and and how they work. Uh, And I asked Bob Goodlatte, personally, this was at one of our GOP meetings in the back of the room. I said, Bob, have you got a list of all the weapons? And do you know if there was an actual automatic weapon there, a machine gun? Like, we know there were bump stocks used. But the first volley to me sounded so regular and so oh, yeah. consistent. And I have and I have shot machine guns, okay? And and it sounded like a well oiled machine gun. Yes. Okay. And if there did ever you, would be a guy a that fit the profile of someone that would have had one, it would be a guy like that. Not the twenty one year old, you know, school dropout or something like that. Right. And if he had and if he had one, it would have been the first one he used before he started using the gimmicky bump stocks. And in fact, the one that sounds like a machine gun was the first volley. And so I asked Bob Goodlatte, do you have a list of the guns and do you know an automatic weapon wasn't involved? He's the chairman of the Judiciary Committee responsible for gun laws. He said, no, I, I don't. We never got that. He turned to his staffer. Do we have that? No, we don't, we never got that. I'm like, my gosh, you're thinking about banning bump stocks, writing legislation, and you don't even know if it was really an automatic weapon that inflicted most of the casualties. An illegal would have been an illegal automatic weapon. There was something really funny going on there. And I find that just so offensive. I don't care if you're right or left. Even if you hate guns, you want to abolish the Second Amendment. Anyone who honestly looks at Vegas, dude, you're going to reduce something that just huge of an event to bump stocks i mean come on there's so much more going on there but it, it's yeah, a, the victims the victims deserve more and that yes. that's an unserious answer an unserious answer let me just let me throw this out there 
if, and I know we're running out of time, but I mean, probability is that there will be another mass public shooting in the next year. Okay. Yes. What if we got the 10 smartest people in the United States in a room and said, how are you going to stop that one? That's going to happen in the next year. What, what would they come up with? Would it be any of this crap that's being proposed in Congress? It wouldn't be any of this crap. Okay. The, the joke that you could somehow monitor Facebook and know that somebody's going to do this. Okay. What you would do, what I think you would do is you would try to get to all the families and say, is there anybody in your family that's considering that you think is mentally unstable or depressed? Can you reach out to them? Can you touch them? Can you talk to them through the issues? Do you know? Those are the only people that are going to that know who the next mass public shooter may be with any degree of, of uh, accuracy. And you would work through the families and the personal relationships and the connections. And that gets to where I think the problem really lies. These people are disconnected from society. It's a breakdown of families. It's a breakdown of, of just personal relationships in general. I don't, I don't care if it's a family or not. And that's, I think, what we need to start looking at. It's, it's cultural. We've yeah. had, look, when I, I, you know, I'm here in the same uh, county where I went to high school. When I went to high school here, people had guns in their trucks and their cars. I drove to school with a gun in my car because my dad sure. left it in there because he'd been hunting. It, it wasn't a crime and nobody ever expected that you would do anything. Nobody ever expected to do anything with one. And it's a cultural thing. And we've got to, we've, I mean, to the extent we can slow these down or stop them, that's where we're going to be most effective. Wow. Certainly a lot to consider there. One more question. You, ju you just brought up culture. What do you do? What do, what do you have to say when the media says, well, you look at Japan or you look at Europe, they, all these other countries, they have the same video games and cultural issues. I mean, what's different there? And yet uh, they don't have all these shootings. So it's it's got to be the guns. <laughs> well, let me be clear. I'm not for outlawing um, the video games. OK, but I've raised four kids. OK, and one of them, when he was a young adolescent, he really he begged for Call of Duty. He would. He would mow any amount of yards to get the money to get a, a PlayStation and Call of Duty. And we never let him have it. We never gave in to that. And, um, but we let him have a gun and he went deer hunting. <laughs> he went uh, turkey hunting. And that's the difference. I mean, there's a mortality involved. You witness the results of a firearm. You see that death doesn't always go like it does in a video game. You get a respect for life when you're hunting as opposed to playing one of these video games. But at the end of the day, the responsibility for raising these kids right and not desensitizing them to, to murdering people resides with the parents. It resides with the parents. Yep. No, definitely does. Um, and, 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 and the thing to me, to me with the other countries, what, what people also don't talk about is that Again, this is what I talked about in the last show, the obfuscation. They want to talk about one slice. Well, you know, it's, it's like a lot of people always talk, talk to me about Japan's incarceration rate. Well, I said, dude, you can't have South Africa um, levels of violence and Japan levels of incarceration. I mean, it's not just mass shootings. The, the crime in general, um, while I think we've made a lot of strides well, the last number well. of decades, it's still, I mean... Dude, you just don't have Baltimore and Chicago and these other places either. I'm, and I'm not talking about I, I'm not saying this is a, an attribute worth uh, trying to even emulate. But Japan is so monocultural. Yes. Like if you've ever been there. OK, I, yeah. I was there on the subway and you look out and everybody's got the same color hair and they're <laughs> and and I'm standing, you know, three inches taller than all of them. You can see the next American, okay? <laughs> Across the sea of, of black hair. It's And I'm not saying this in terms of race or, or anything, but their culture. It's a different, their yeah. Their culture. There, there is have, no country like America. I mean, th that's the oh, problem. And I they, love, I yeah. like our, 
I, let me let me be careful here too because I'm just explaining something. I'm not trying to uh, exactly. America to is a. Div- I prefer it, our culture. You I could, prefer our diversity. No, exactly. But no, it, I, I know what you're saying. You're not. You're not trying to say. Oh, that's a better way. It's just if you have a homogenous country, it's almost like a family like Luxembourg. Luxembourg's always going to have less violence. There's a lot more going on in America. You can't just start at the mass shootings. You got to look at everything in general. Look at the homicides. Yeah. Look at the armed robberies. Right. I mean, they also they also have a dramatically lower number of entrepreneurs in Japan. I mean, it's just their culture is yes. you go along, you, you get along. America has a lot called. of booms and busts, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So um, anyways, that's that's all part of it. You know, just there will be more people die today in a swimming pool uh, than there were in Dayton. I mean, just just to keep these things. In and, and I'm not yeah. saying that I'm not minimizing what happened in Dayton. Terrible thing. And that's. It's too, you know, uh, that was too many lives. One was too many. But just to keep it in perspective, there are lots of other uh, fatalities in the course of a day. And, and we're becoming fixated on this to the point of irrationality. Yep. And by the way, I'm just looking at my phone right now as we're signing off here. Uh, CBP just put out a press release. They arrested four illegals and one smuggler with it looks like a nine mil- millimeter and that definitely has more than 10 rounds in it so um those yeah. coming in through the border certainly aren't going to be listening to to those laws and uh again that is external the job as madison said the job of the federal government is to protect from external um threats and that definitely is redressable um we need to have a border but that's not a problem i guess uh you know they could bring that stuff in and yeah, and that's the problem. It's just everything is so political, we can't look at anything logically anymore. It just drives me nuts. The lo- the logic is gone in this argument. Let me just summarize by saying you can you can ban a particular type of gun that is not going to stop these mass public shootings. You could uh do extensive background checks. You could check somebody's tonsils and you could give them the you know the full search, and that's not gonna stop these mass public shootings uh it's just we're yet those are the types of solutions that are being proposed and they're unserious we've got to look at the root causes and as you said the person pointing at the moon and focus on their finger (laughs) that's what it is that is what that's what the politicians are doing that's what the media is doing we need to break out of that for 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 the respect for the people who were the victims in this yep no, exactly. We have certain, and again, we have certain inherent things embedded in our culture, for better or for worse, as you mentioned, which are tough to break, but external things we don't have to import. And again, that's why I'm so into, you know, we don't need foreign nationals that are problems when we have our own. And this is a big part of what's going on, that we we allow the cartels to come in. Much of the Chicago violence is is driven by um, those working for transnational cartels, it's not even necessarily domestic and we don't do anything about it. What do we need at this time? Um, so you got H.R. 38, the Constitutional Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act, H.R. Uh, 3200, the Safe Students Act to repeal gun-free school school zones. Did I did I get that about right? Are, are those those the bills yeah. you're pushing? Well, my, my bill is the uh, uh, bill to repeal the Gun-Free School Zone Act it's called the uh, Safe Students Act. Yep. And that is one thing we can do. If you look at it practically, if there had been, the, the only way I can imagine that would effectively reduce the number of casualties in El Paso were if there were more citizens carrying a firearm. Because that would be effective. Yep. The, the, the guy in his manifesto said he was looking for soft targets. And he found soft targets, unfortunately. And so I think gun-free zones are dangerous. Yes, the one the shooting in El Paso uh, falls into the five percent, not the ninety-five percent category. But uh, I can almost guarantee you the next shooting is also going to happen in a gun-free school zone. And so that's the kind of stuff I'm trying to do is to reduce uh, the gun-free zones in this country, particularly the federal ones where there is a federal law that stands. We need to repeal it. Well, thanks, Congressman, for giving us a different perspective. We're not going to hear elsewhere. 
Um, this is not going to be the end of it. So we're going to have you back again. Hopefully you'll have a video up next time. Um, God bless you for what you're doing. Folks, if you have any questions you want me to send to the congressman, you could always email me, tweet me at armconservative. Thank you for listening. Double duty, two episodes on this issue. We have so much more to say we've left on the table. Let me know your thoughts. Till tomorrow, God, be- God bless y'all. Thank you for listening.